Heavenly Father, we ask, Lord, that as uh, we close with this last uh, message for tonight, Lord, that your spirit would be with us. Uh, we have, uh, we have uh, been long at, um, at the Bible tonight, Lord, and we just ask that you would refresh us for uh, one last study. And then, Lord, help us to, have, to get a good night's sleep tonight that we might be refreshed for tomorrow. Uh, we thank you for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Um, before I finish this, I want to share with you a new uh, dimension of Operation Global Rain. Operation Global Rain 360 is what it's called, OGR 360. The new website just went up about two days ago. And, um, you know, I was really nervous because there's been a, a lull between... Uh, the seventh, uh, seven seven of this year, and the time that the new website went up. New website went up three days ago, and like within the first, I think, two hours, we had about six churches that had registered, and uh, I was just like, praise the Lord. And so we sent out another email, and uh, as of today, we've had I think another 20 churches uh, register just in the last two days. What OGR 360 is, we, we are planning to have three 10 days of prayer uh, uh, meetings next year. Three. Uh, the first will begin January 2nd, and it will be 10 days of prayer, followed by 110 days of activity. So 10 days of prayer, 110 days of activity, and that 110 days of activity will be geared towards uh, outreach to backslidden and former Seventh-day Adventists. Okay? So that makes one 120-day period that will be totally dedicated. Those 10 days of prayer will be dedicated to backslidden and former Seventh-day Adventists. At the end of that time period, we'll have another 10 days of prayer uh, followed by 110 days of activity, but this time it will be to non-Seventh-day Adventists. And what we are asking is that each person involved will commit to one day out of the week for that 110-day period, one day out of the week, whether that be Mondays or Wednesdays or whatever, that you will commit that day, an hour a day to two hours or four hours of, of um, intentional Bible work. Whether that be Bible study, going door to door, making phone calls, whatever it is, and that was so you're not doing 110 days back to back of Bible work. You're just choosing one day out of the week, at least one day out of the week, to do intentional Bible study. And so we, the third 10, 110 period will just be like a free for all. Okay, but it's a total of 360 days, hence OGR three. 60. Does that sound like a good plan? Yeah. Ellen White says that she saw uh, uh, jets of light. Um, people were going door to door. The earth seemed to be lightened with a heavenly influence. That's what we want to see happen. Amen? So continue to pray. People have said, you know, uh, Operation Global Rain, the 777 thing was a big hype on the day. No, the latter rain is not a day. It is a season. 
And so we are praying that we, we are entering and have entered into the latter rain season where God will empower us as we begin to go forth into the world, lifting up the cross. Amen? Amen. Having said that, I want to pick up with where we left off um, with this issue of the latter rain and the Sunday laws. And I'm not going to recap because I feel my throat <laughs> getting ready to go out. So I'm just going to share some more things as quickly as I can so that we can get a proper understanding. I've had some people say the angel of Revelation chapter 18 cannot declare that Babylon is fallen until Babylon is fallen. Okay? And Babylon is declared fallen when she passes a Sunday law. You get that? So which happens first? Does the latter rain descend first? Uh, does the angel descend first? Or does, and the Sunday law comes second? Or does the Sunday law come first, which then causes the angel to descend and to declare that Babylon is fallen? You get that? Uh, and, and on face value, it would seem that, yes, Sunday law has to be passed first in order for the angel to descend and declare that Babylon is fallen. I want to read to you a quote, um, a couple, well, one taken from Last Day Events, page 198, where she says this. She made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. How is this done? By forcing men to accept a spurious Sabbath. Not yet, however, can it be said she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. She has, not yet made, she has not yet made all nations do this. Not until the condition shall be reached and the union of the church and the world shall be fully accomplished throughout Christendom will the fall of Babylon be complete. The change is a progressive one and the perfect fulfillment of Revelation 14.8 is yet future. When do her sins reach unto heaven? when the law of God is finally made void by legislation. So this quote seems to say that when uh, Babylon is fallen, when can that angel of Revelation 18, 18 declare that Babylon is fallen? After the Sunday law has been passed. And therefore the argument is that this angel... Which, which, is, you know, which basically brings a latter rain, the latter rain cannot fall until the Sunday law is set up. Okay? Is that clear, the argument that is being presented? You understand what I'm saying? Okay, now, here is the answer to that dilemma. The angel of Revelation 18 is to add his voice, not only, which angel says Babylon has fallen anyway? The second angel. The angel of Revelation 18 does not add his voice only to the second angel, he actually adds it to the first and the third as well. You see that? So he adds power to all three messages. Now, now listen to this. Maranatha, page 173, the three angels' messages are to be combined, giving their threefold light to the world. In the Revelation, John says, I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power and the earth was lightened with his glory. This represents the giving of the last and threefold message of warning to the world. 
So the angel that descends does not descend saying only Babylon has fallen. She also says, or the, the angel also says, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. It adds power to all what? Three messages. Now, here's the question. Which message does the angel add power to first? That's the question. And it would make sense that the angel first adds power to the first angel's message. Listen to this. Where is it here? No one hears the voice of these angels. Hold on one second. Okay, here's my place. No one hears the voice of these angels, for they are symbol to represent, they are a symbol to represent the people of God who are working in harmony with the universe of heaven. Men and women, enlightened by the Spirit of God and sanctified through the truth, proclaim the three messages in their order. How are the messages to be proclaimed? In their order. See, what that means is that the third angel's message cannot be preached without the, the second angel's message going before it. Right? And the second angel's message cannot be preached unless the first angel's message goes before it. So it would make sense that when this angel descends... Somehow or another, it first adds power to the first angel's message. And here's how we know that it does that. Is the angel, when the angel descends, what is the first thing we notice about the angel? Is the first thing we notice about the angel, the angel saying Babylon has fallen? No. What do we notice about the angel? It's glory. Come on, we just came out of a message. It's glory and it's what? Power. Which is the what? The cross. Which is the central argument of the Sabbath. Fear God and give glory to Him. Now listen, Babylon can only be declared fallen after she has rejected what? The Sabbath. After she has rejected the light of the Sabbath, only then can Babylon be declared fallen. Listen, God never contradicts his principle. And here's a principle that God works on. He says, this is the condemnation. That what? Light is coming to the world, and the world loved what? Darkness rather than light. So how can Babylon be condemned... Before the light of the latter rain. Did you hear that? In other words, it is the light of the latter rain, the light of the Sabbath truth that goes into all the world. And when Babylon rejects this light, it is then and only then do we hear the second angel's voice, power being added to the second angel saying, Babylon has fallen. Why? Because she has rejected the light. How? In light of this powerful preaching of the cross being the center of the Sabbath. You know what Babylon just did yesterday? What? She set up a Sunday law. 
Did you get that? Babylon is declared fallen because she has rejected the light of the Sabbath. Preached under the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Ellen White says here in early writings, page 237. As the churches refused to receive the first angel's message, they rejected the light from heaven. She's talking about in 1844. As they refused to accept the first angel's message, they rejected the light from heaven and fell from the favor of God. They trusted to their own strength and opposing the first message, placed themselves where they could not see the light of the second angel's message. But the beloved of God who were oppressed accepted the message, Babylon is fallen and left the churches. She's talking about 1844. What happened? Did, did the Millerites or did you know the early church go forth with the message, Babylon has fallen, Babylon has fallen? Did they do that? Was that their first message? No, it was only after the first message was preached and the churches did what? Rejected that message that the message then came, hey, Babylon has fallen, come out of her. You see that she has obviously rejected the truth under the power of the Spirit. So in the last days, listen to what she says about the loud cry. Thousands upon thousands will listen who have never heard words like these before. You know where that's from, great controversy. And listen to what she says. In amazement, they hear the testimony that Babylon is a church, fallen because of her sins and because of her rejection of the truth sent to her from heaven. What was the truth sent to her from heaven? That angel of Revelation Chapter 18, which descended and lightened the whole earth with its glory and power. Babylon resisted this light and the very angel that she resists then turns around and says, Okay, because you have resisted this light, Babylon is what? Is fallen. There is no more hope for her. In the face of the blazing glory of the latter rain, she has set up a Sunday law. Come out of her. There's nothing else. There's nothing left. There is no hope left for her. You understand what I'm saying? Otherwise, if it were the other way around, you know, Babylon has fallen. No, she's not fallen. There's a, still a chance the preaching would, would, would be of no effect. Babylon had already made a decision. But it is in the light of that that Babylon rejects that truth that now she is declared to be fallen. So, this answers the question. Understand that that angel descends and he first gives power to the which angel? First angel. When that is rejected, he will give power to the second angel and then finally power to the third angel. And that's how it works. Now, we're going to take a look at Ellen White's, what Ellen White's most straightforward account of the, of the latter reign. Okay, And what we're going to do is we're going to see that the latter rain is actually mentioned twice in her writings. This is from the chapter, The Shaking. Anybody ever read The Shaking? Okay. I want you to listen to this. This is, this is powerful. And this is what we're going to see. The latter rain is a rainy season. Right? Remember we talked about that? The latter rain, there is an opening to the rainy season... And there is a closing to the rainy season. 
the, the opening of the latter rain gives us power to go and what? Preach the gospel. The closing of the latter rain, which in other places in the spirit of prophecy is called the sealing, that prepares us to go through the time of what? Trouble when the seven plagues, are, the major time of trouble when the seven plagues are poured out. So what we're going to see is that there are actually two major outpourings of the latter rain. Remember, the latter rain is not a day, it is a season, okay? Now I want you to listen to this. This is going to tie everything that you, that you know as Seventh-day Adventists. Ready? I saw some with strong faith and agonizing cries pleading with God. Their countenances were pale and marked with deep anxiety, expressive of their internal struggle. What kind of a struggle is going on here? Not an external one dealing with other people, but a what? An internal one. Firmness and great earnestness was expressed in their countenances. Large drops of perspiration fell from their foreheads. Now and then their faces would light up with the marks of God's approbation, and again the same solemn, earnest, anxious look would settle upon them. Evil angels crowded around them, pressing darkness upon them to shut out Jesus from their view, that their eyes might be drawn to the darkness that surrounded them, and thus be led to distrust God and murmur against Him. Their only safety was in keeping their eyes directed upward. Angels of God had charge over his people, and as the poisonous atmosphere of evil angels was pressed around these anxious ones, the heavenly angels were continually wafting their wings over them to scatter the thick darkness. Does this sound like a conflict between God's people and other people? It's an internal struggle. As the praying ones continued, their earnest cries, at times a ray of light, came from Jesus to them to encourage their hearts and to lift up their countenances. Some I saw did not participate in the work of agonizing and pleading. They seemed indifferent and, in care, and careless. Now let me ask you a question. <laughs> yeah. You know, think about it. In a time of trouble, can you think of any Seventh-day Adventists that will seem in, uh, indifferent and careless? No, no, no. Everybody's going to be what? perplexed and agonizing and worried. No, this is talking about a time of relative peace. Okay? There's one group of people who are praying and agonizing. Another group of people are going, well, what are you, what, what are you doing? What are you praying for? I don't see a need to pray. I don't see a need to agonize. Why are you praying and agonizing? That, that's the general feel of what we're reading here. It goes on. <clears throat> I asked the meaning. I'm sorry. They were not resisting the darkness around them and it shut them in like a thick cloud. The angels of God left these and went to the aid of the earnest praying ones. I saw angels of God hastening to the assistance of all who were struggling with all their power to resist the evil angels and trying to help themselves by calling upon God with perseverance. But his angels left those who made no effort to help themselves and I soon lost sight of them. Now notice what she says next. I asked the meaning of the shaking I had seen and was shown that it would be caused by the straight testimony called forth by the counsel of the true witness to the Laodiceans. 
This will have its effect upon the heart of the receiver and will lead him to exalt the standard and pour forth the straight truth. Some will not bear this testimony. They will rise up against it and this is what will cause a shaking among God's people. So the question is, what is the straight testimony? Well, you know what? We don't even need to answer that question right now. Let's ask another question. When was the straight testimony given? Is it something in the future or is it something that has been going on? It is something that has been going on. Notice what she says in the same place. I saw that the testimony of the true witness has not been half heeded. That puts the straight testimony in the what? In the past and in the present. So, so let me try to explain this now. What she sees here is a group of people. Everything around them seems to be fine, but there is spiritual darkness. Some are agonizing, some are not. The straight testimony is pointing out to these people, you are miserable, wretched, blind, naked, you know, you need to repent, you need to, and the people are receiving this message, some receive it, some are saying, you're making a big deal about nothing, and that is what is causing a shaking, even now, in God's people. Ellen White tells us, as early as 1850, that the shaking had already commenced. So what that means, beloved, is that in God's church, there has been this slow, say that word with me, this slow sifting and shaking, almost as though God is waiting to get the right makeup of people in his church. For some wonderful thing that he has planned for just the right people at just the right time. Isn't it amazing to think that you could be here for just for such a time as this? Now I want you to notice something. Nowhere does she say here. She says I lost sight of them. But I want to share something with you. Is it possible for people, these people, to do you know anyone in the church right now who has risen up against a straight testimony? Are they still in the church? Yeah. They, they, they still have their names where? Written on the books. So this shaking that she's talking about is not necessarily one that, that shakes people out of the physical church. It may shake them out spiritually, but they still may be physically present. You understand? So is a shaking going on right now? Yes, are there some people in this room right now who may be in this church, have their names on a book, but may not be in the church? Yeah. There's a shaking going on right now. And this is what she's describing here. And I'll tell you why I know that as we read on. Remember, we're reading straight. This is not a cut and paste. We're reading one straight narrative from Ellen White. Okay? Now listen to what it says here. She goes on to say, Said the angel, List ye. Soon I heard a voice like many musical instruments, all sounding in perfect strings, sweet and harmonious. It surpassed any music I had ever heard, seeming to be full of mercy, compassion, and elevating holy joy. It thrilled through my whole being. Said the angel, look ye. My attention was then turned to the company I had seen, who were mightily shaken. I was shown those whom I had before seen weeping and praying in agony of spirit. They weren't crying, Lord, save us because the wicked are about to kill us, were they? 
They were simply weeping in agony of spirit. Let me ask you, does it seem like a Sunday law is anywhere on the scene right now to you? No, they're simply weeping in agony of spirit. The company of guardian angels around them had been doubled and they were now clothed with an armor from their head to their feet. They moved in exact order like a company of soldiers. Their countenance expressed the severe conflict which they had endured, the agonizing struggle they had passed through, yet their features marked with severe internal anguish now shone with the light and glory of heaven. They had obtained the victory and it called forth from them the deepest gratitude and holy sacred joy. So something amazing has just happened. These agonizing praying ones, you got two groups, the careless and indifferent, and then the what? Agonizing and praying ones. Something happens to the agonizing praying ones. They are now clothed with an armor down to their feet and they have gotten the what? The victory. Now here's the question. Have they gotten the victory over the beast? Over self. The victory, the battle against the beast hasn't even begun. You see, beloved, when the earth... Let me read to you what this is. The number of this company had lessened. Some had been shaken out and left by the way. The careless and indifferent who did not join with those who prized victory and salvation enough to perseveringly plead and agonize for it. So what were they pleading and agonizing for? Victory over the beast? Victory over the National Sunday Law? Victory over self and salvation. So let's say you and I, oh, let's just say you and I decided tonight that we were just going to make a commitment that from now on we were just going to spend time pleading and agonizing for salvation and victory. Why, that would make us fall into this category of people who could possibly receive the, the latter rain. No crisis going on right now, right? No Sunday law on the horizon. But listen, Those who did not agonize for it did not obtain it and they were left behind in darkness. Their places were immediately filled by others taking hold of the truth and coming into the ranks. Evil angels still pressed around them but could have no power over them. Now listen to what she says. I heard those clothed with the armor speak forth the truth with great power. When is it that they speak forth the truth? After they have agonized and pled for the Spirit of God, after they have obtained the victory, not over the beast, but over who? Self. Then she says, I hear that I heard them speak forth the truth with great what? Power. It had effect. What do you think the power of the message was? The sacrifice. The cross of Christ, when I say the cross of Christ, I'm talking about the sacrifice of Christ. It became the center of the message. Listen, it had effect. You know what that means? People listened. Not only did they listen, they believed. Thousands would be converted in a day. 
It had effect. Many had been bound, some by husbands, some by wives, and some children by their parents. The honest who had been prevented from hearing the truth now eagerly laid hold upon it. All fear of relatives was gone. The truth alone was exalted. They had been hungering and thirsting for truth. It was dearer and more precious than life. I asked what had made the great change. An angel answered and said, It is the latter rain, the refreshing from the presence of the Lord, the loud cry of the third angel. Any mention of a Sunday law? Any mention of a death decree? No. The season begins. We got to pray for the season. When we pray for the season, God will send the rain. The rain empowers us to preach the gospel. And now listen to her very next words. Hmm. Great power was with these chosen ones. What is that great power? The latter rain. Said the angel, look ye. Now the angel is about to direct her attention to something else. What is she about to see? Look ye. My attention was turned to the wicked or unbelievers. They were all astir. The zeal and power with the people of God had aroused and enraged them. Tidings out of the north and out of the east shall what? Trouble him. Therefore he shall go forth with great fury to destroy many. What does she say next? Confusion, confusion was on every side. I saw measures taken against the company who had, past tense, the light and power of God. What are the measures taken against the company? Sunday law. Sunday law. You read everywhere else where she uses the word measures taken against the people of God and that that term is synonymously used with Sunday law. Latter rain, preach the gospel, they are aroused and angered and in response, Sunday law. Which is followed very shortly by a death decree. Listen. Darkness thickened around them. Now, what do we have now? Now we have another darkness that's thickening around them, right? Remember, there was darkness that thickened around them in the beginning, but that wasn't darkness. This was a spirit. Now listen, darkness thickened around them, yet they stood firm, approved of God, trusting in Him. I saw them perplexed. Next I heard them crying unto God earnestly. Day and night they cease not. Thy will, O God, be done. If it can glorify thy name, make a way of escape for thy people. Deliver us from the heathen round about us. This is the first time we hear the mention of other people. It is after the latter rain, they are now praying, deliver us from the heathen. By the way, in Acts chapter 2, when the early rain was poured out, where there was a church of God under persecution. No. In Acts chapter 4, when the, when the early rain is poured out, was the church under persecution? Yes. Yes. Remember, why did Peter pray? Lord, you hear their threatenings. Grant your servants boldness to preach. 
And the Bible says the spirit fell and the house was shaken and they went out with all boldness. In other words, beloved, it is because when God's people go forth with the joy of the cross, they're not going forth calling Babylon. Man, this is great news. Let's go out there and tell the world. They're excited. They're happy. But when Babylon responds in the way that she does, then they're going to go, Lord, you hear their threatenings. What are you going to do? And the Lord will empower them again to preach. Ellen White actually tells us that when the righteous, when the God's people on the last day go forth, you remember reading this great controversy. She says, had they known the consequences of their words. You remember reading that? Right there on the, in the loud cry chapter, had they seen the consequences of their word, their words, they would have remained quiet. But compelled by the Spirit of God, they went forth to preach. You see, beloved, the reason why is because when we go forth with this message of love, we're not go- see, we're not going forth saying, hey guys, Babylon is falling. We're not pointing a finger at, we're just going forth saying, hey, the cross, the cross. The, the, who loves Jesus? The cross. Come, come, come. Do you believe in the cross? Then you should be keeping us happy. Do you believe in the cross? Then the law of God is the principle of the cross. And when we lift this up, we're just thinking everybody's going to be so happy. Isn't this just great news? And then we will see the dragon. The revelation of the dragon come to life. So listen to what they cry. They cry out. Deliver us from the heathen round about us. Round about us. They have appointed us unto death. Death decree. When is this? After the latter rain. But thine arm can bring salvation. These are all the words I can bring to mind. All seem to have a deep sense of their unworthiness and manifested entire submission to the will of God. Yet like Jacob, everyone without an exception was earnestly pleading and wrestling for deliverance. A total different pleading and wrestling for deliverance. This is not the one that was happening in time of peace. And the message, beloved, is we better be wrestling and pleading now in the time of peace instead of waiting for the crisis to hit before we say, okay, Lord, give me the oil now. And unfortunately, this is what some of our brethren are saying. You know, we we praying for the latter rain. You're wasting your time. These things are out of order. We've got to wait for the crisis to hit before we plead for the Spirit of God. Soon after they had commenced their earnest cry, the angels in sympathy desired to go to their deliverance. But a tall commanding angel suffered them not. He said, the will of God is not yet fulfilled. They must drink of the cup. They must be baptized with the baptism. You see, the death decree has passed. And once the death decree passes, now we've got the close of what? Probation. Now, everything is done. There's no more preaching to be done. They have done all the preaching that they could do. Everyone has made their decision. Satan's death decree has gone forth. God's death decree has gone forth. Let him who is righteous be righteous still. Let him who is holy be holy still. Let him who is filthy be... Everything stands still at that moment. Soon I heard the voice of God isn't that Daniel 12, 1? <clears throat> isn't that right in order? 
I mean, Daniel 12, 1 doesn't say the voice of God, but it talks about Michael standing up. That, that, that's when probation closes and Michael stands up to deliver his people. Soon I heard the voice of God, which shook the heavens and the earth. There was a mighty earthquake. Buildings were shaken down on every side. I then heard a triumphant shout of victory, loud, musical, and clear. I looked upon the company who a short time before were in such distress and bondage. Their captivity was turned a glorious light shone upon them. A glorious what? <laughs> Latter rain? What do you think? Remember, in the very beginning, they are lightened with the glory of God. A glorious light shines upon them. They go forth to preach. Now they have preached, and now the, the persecution comes. They are distressed. They are perplexed. And just before the second coming of Jesus, another glorious light is seen upon them. Listen. How beautiful they then looked. All marks of care and weariness were gone, and health and beauty were seen in every countenance. Their enemies, the heathen around them, fell like dead men. So this is an actual light. They could not endure the light that shone upon the delivered holy ones. The light and glory remained upon them until Jesus was seen in the clouds of heaven. Beloved, the latter rain is a season. There is a, a, a rain that, that opens the season and there is a rain that closes the season. That latter rain that closes the season is none other than the seal of God. Those who receive the seal of God will have this light upon them and that seal is what prepares them or is what keeps them safe in that time when Jesus comes again and the others are perishing around them. What do we see here? The latter rain is a season, not a day. <clears throat> the latter rain comes not in response to the Sunday law, but in response to God's people pleading and agonizing for victory over self. That's where the latter rain comes in. Now, I want to read one statement to you because I've had people send me this statement. You know, a couple of people say, this is totally clear. You're going against the spirit of prophecy. <clears throat> Listen to this very quickly. Um, oh, by the way, let me read this real quick. Uh, I'm not going to read it. I'll read something else. Here it is. Okay. Uh, the great issue so near at hand, and then uh, this is uh, actually taken from last day events, and it says here, the great issue so near at hand, and then in parentheses it has the enforcement of Sunday laws, close parentheses, will weed out those whom God has not appointed, and he will have a pure, true, sanctified ministry prepared for the latter rain. Okay? Uh, the, the, the thought here is that, okay, see, this is pretty clear, uh, that the Sunday law weeds out the people and uh, prepares them for the latter rain. Weeds out the church and prepares them for the latter rain. 
Let me explain to you. I'm going to just put this all in a nutshell, nutshell for you so you can see that what she says does not contradict anything that we've said. Number one, God's people are called to pray and to agonize and to obtain the victory over their what? Their sins, right? Over self. When they do this, Ellen White, the same Ellen White that wrote this, tells us that the Spirit of God will be poured out upon them. Now remember, before this, there was a shaking going on, correct? There were some who were in the church who were not in the church, right? Those people in the church, uh, uh, they will see or they will, the latter rain will be falling and they'll be looking around and not realizing that it's the latter rain. They'll be looking around saying, man, you guys are crazy. That's what she says. They will, the latter rain will be falling all around and they will not be able to discern it. So if they're not able to discern it, it must mean that they're still where? In the church. Now that's not what, what pushes people out of the church. No, no, no. They're just saying, oh, those Adventists, they're crazy. And what makes them even more upset is when we go forth preaching this message with power and they see the churches responding, then they're going to be like, what are you crazy Seventh-day Adventists doing? You're bringing on a time of trouble. What are you doing? Why are you causing all this ruckus? And, and God's people will not be going out causing ruckus. They're just preaching the cross. The cross is the thing that everybody's talking about. We love the cross. They're just preaching the cross, but it's causing ruckus. And so what happens is they begin to distance themselves, but they don't come out the churches. See? They're just saying, oh, you, you know, <laughs> those are some fringe people. But now, when Babylon has had enough and they set up the Sunday law, guess what happens? The Sunday law weeds out those who had remained in the church but had been shaken out a long time ago. You see that? The Sunday law only serves to physically remove those who remained in the church but whose names were no longer on the books in heaven. So now when the Sunday law comes, it has weeded out a people to prepare, and, and now others are coming in and they are receiving under the loud cry, the louder rain, and now you have a purified church that is ready to receive the closing rainy season rain. The Sunday law weeds out in a physical sense and purifies the church in a physical sense so that you have a pure church. Everybody in the church will be purified. Not one sinner found in the church. Not one impure person found in the church and those people will have this glorious light shone upon them until Jesus comes in the clouds. They will be kept safe through the seven last plagues. Anybody ever heard of a sleeper cell? They are the most feared people in America. Everybody's looking around and saying, could sleeper cells be in my neighborhood? Could we have a sleeper cell in our midst? And I want you to understand that the definition of a sleeper is one who is a law-abiding, an enemy who is a law-abiding citizen in the country in which he lives. 
until awakened by a prearranged signal. And once that prearranged signal is given, he springs into action and becomes bent on the destruction of the territory in which he once lived and was a law-abiding citizen. And I believe, beloved, that in God's Seventh-day Adventist church, there are sleepers. Law-abiding citizens of the kingdom of darkness. Just asleep, just living life, you know, yep, I'm a law-abiding citizen, I keep the law. Law of sin and death, yes. I'm obedient to my flesh. And I'm asleep, I am dormant. But beloved, there has been a pre-arranged signal that God has given to his people. The cross. The cross. And now if I be lifted up will draw all men unto me. When, beloved, when we understand what Jesus has done for us on the cross, it will wake us up and spring us into action. Do you know that Jonah was actually called a sleeper? Jonah was asleep in the bottom of the ship. And somebody actually goes down in the bottom of the ship and says, Awake thou sleeper! (laughs) Yeah! Jonah was sleeping while the world was, while the people on the ship were perishing. And beloved, I believe that there are many sleepers in God's midst, in the church of God today. We are asleep waiting for a Sunday law to hit. Now we will wake up and spring into action. Man, man, things are... We sure are here a long time. Man, what's taking Jesus so long? What's taking Jesus so long is that we are sleeping. And beloved, let me tell you, man, when, when a sleeper awakes, he becomes a terror to the place that he once was a law-abiding citizen. God is calling us to awake. And you, you know what WMDs are? Weapons of mass destruction? Yeah. God is, calling, God is calling us to wake up and to take hold of those WMDs, weapons of mass deliverance. Amen. And beloved, as we take these weapons, the sword of God, which is the word of God, as we take the love of Christ, as we take that cross of Calvary, we will awake and begin to wreak havoc in Babylon. But beloved, if we are asleep, if we are waiting for something when that something is waiting on us, we will not be the generation. We'll have to give it to somebody else. And beloved, I want to go home. Amen. You know, I am tired of this stuff. I am tired of, you know, temptation is a weary thing, man. Amen. It's like, oh, another day of temptation. Yes, okay. 
Great praise. You know, it's just like, I, I, I wait for the day where I won't have to be tempted anymore. I wait for the day, beloved, where, where we can go home and, and it's just, God is saying, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Beloved, this could be the generation. This could be the If not when, now. Why not now? Here is the promise. If my people, which are called by... There, there is the condition for the latter rain. If my people, who are called by my name, will wait for the Sunday law, then I will hear their prayers from heaven. No. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. God's people have wicked ways? Ooh, ouch. Ouch. Yeah. How merciful God is to us. Calls us wicked and still loves us. Says just turn from your wicked ways. Turn from your wicked ways and you'll wake up. You will arise and shine. For your light has come. For the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Beloved, I want to rise and shine. How about you? Amen. I want to I want to go forth with those weapons. You know, every time I, I got a message called sleeper cells and I get so scared when I preach that. Clark, man, I sure hope, you know, but God takes care of everything, right? God is calling us to wake up, beloved, and to preach the gospel, the everlasting gospel, and to stop playing around and to get busy for him. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for hearing our prayer tonight. We thank you for speaking to us. We thank you for opening our eyes. Father, Help us not to be foolish virgins waiting for some crisis to hit before we ask for the oil. But rather, Lord, let us be wise, having the oil before the crisis hits, that we will not be found naked and wanting and without fire. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.